Everything's going to be a, a little different for me. Um, vulnerable. Uh, but at the same time, I want to follow the Lord uh, by His leading the best that I know how. I feel like the Lord wants me to answer the questions that people might be asking today. So in one way, it's going to be interactive. But in the other way, I want everyone to listen to this. If no one asks a question, don't, don't feel like, oh, well, I need to bail Pastor John out because then we're just going through carnal motions. But I believe the Lord has something specific to say. And so it won't be real good on the Internet, but I'm going to be down here with you this morning. And I want to talk to you for a moment and then respond to those questions. Because the Bible says that the troubles that we experience, the difficulties, the perplexities, are being experienced by all believers all around the world. You're not by yourself. John the Baptist gives me a good preface for this morning. Here's a man that was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He pointed at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm unworthy to untie. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And again I testify to you that I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and light upon him. That is the Lamb of God. That's the Lamb of God. Well, a period of time took place and John decreased while Jesus increased and John was thrown into prison and then there was no open heaven for John. There were no crowds, there was no fruitfulness, there was no effectiveness, there was just uh, unanswered questions, confusion, because see John knew what Jesus coming meant. He did not know the revelation the full revelation of redemption, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the one. He's going to come in and throw Rome, overthrow Rome. and He's going to come in with power. And here's Jesus coming in with meekness and loving everybody. And he's going to rule with a rod of iron. And John's seeing the mountaintops of prophecy, but not the valleys in between the peaks. And he was in a state of confusion. And he told his disciples, he said, go ask Jesus, is he really the one? Or should we look for another? And Jesus told the disciples that uh, John had sent. He said, you go tell John the Baptist the things that you see. How the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And tell John, blessed is the man that's not offended in me. What would it be like in the natural to get your question to the Lord? Now, I am not the Lord. I am an, an under-shepherd and I want to state categorically that I tremble at the idea of answering for him. But that's what I do in counseling. That's what I do when I'm preaching. So I, I want to pray for us uh, and pray for me and ask the Lord if this was his doing and it's his delight that he would allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate being a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. So when people left today, they would never mention my name today. They could say today with assuredness, I heard the voice of the Lord for my life, for my life. So, Father, I just present myself to you this morning, an unworthy vessel, uh, unprofitable at best. But I uh, called and I'm asking for you to equip me with your Holy Spirit and anointing that I might minister grace to your people, that I might minister truth, uh, the Word of God, uh, that which the Spirit of God only knows, and the ways of God that it would bring, whether it's an answer or comfort or perspective, whatever, Lord, that they would leave saying, I heard from the Lord today for my life individually. And I just I will bow out of the way and be honored that you would even... Use me in that way, if so be, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite preachers, and I hesitate to tell people who I listen to because inevitably they tell me who they listen to, and then they wait for me to say how great they are, and I go, mm. But Dr. Mark Rutland is one of my favorite uh, ministers. It's so rare in the Pentecostal church to find anointing and education in the same person. 
they're like me, unschooled, unlearned, and God's hands on their life, or they're very, very educated, and God's nowhere near. But he, he is both. And he told a story that best sets up what I believe is going to happen for us this morning. He was in a service one day, and um, there were uh, people in the altar, and he said, I don't know how to tell you this except to tell you I heard in my heart the phrase, her name is Gina. Just that. And so a word of knowledge, a gift of the Spirit is God knowing all things, he takes a bit of knowledge out of his intellect, drops it in someone else's intellect that would not know that fact. It's not complete knowledge, it's a word of knowledge. Gives it to her, tell her that her name is Gina. Now, when I heard this story, I'm sitting here thinking, well, she probably knows. That would be my first ignorant thought. I'm a good Pharisee, I wouldn't say it. But I'm thinking, she probably knows. And then, what would, and what if it's not? She goes, my name's Clarice. All right, I'll get back with you later. <laughs> the Lord doesn't talk to me, you know. But he said, hand her the flowers from in front of the pulpit and tell her that her name is Gina. And so here's this man that can speak multiple languages. God's used him all over the world. And there's no way to minister in the gifts of the Spirit without being vulnerable. And so he takes the flowers out of, and he's a guest speaker. So, you know, somebody had put them together, you know, probably had a flower committee. Thank you, Lord. Just a moment of silence that we don't have no committees. Hold on. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Shook the water off of him and walked over to this girl in her 20s. And he said, Gina. And she raised her hand and said, these are for you. She said, why did you call me Gina? He said, well, I was standing over here and I felt the Lord say to me, her name is Gina and he wants you to have these flowers. So I'm going to give you the condensed version, okay? She wept and wept and he left her alone and after service she came up to him and she said, there's no way you could know this, but today is my birthday. And last night I was in a motel room and she said, I was raised in church and I heard you were speaking here. And I told the Lord uh, how sorry I was for how I turned out and breaking my promises and failing you in so many ways. And uh, I don't even think you know who I am anymore. She reached in her purse and handed him a pistol. And she said, this was my last visit to God's house before I took my life. And she said, and this morning's my birthday, and you gave me a bouquet of flowers and told me my name was Gina. And that one word, Lord, you don't even know who I am. And he said, oh, I know who you are. Your name is Gina. And it doesn't have to be drastic to be direct. When you hear from heaven, when you know the Lord's heard your voice, I just, I, I just believe the Lord wants to give you that same release. You might not have dripping flowers in your lap, but your soul can drip, from the, drip with the assurance that God's Spirit met you today. And this is not a generic question like uh, someone would say, well, I have a question. Why is there trouble in the two nations left of Israel? Not that. But for you, if there's something on your heart and you could, if you could ask the Lord. Now, I'm not him, but I could be possibly a goat. And if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. This is difficult for me too, but I do know his word. And I do know his spirit. And I believe you might find comfort today. And I'm going to ask other people that are dealing with that same weight or difficulty to stand at the end. Now, don't let that, you know, I told Kelly what I was thinking about doing. She said, in big crowds, people don't like that. I said, well, what am I, what am I supposed to do? Say, no, Lord, I'm just going to get up and preach. So to the best of my knowledge, we're supposed to do this. So our ushers have some mics and just concisely, just can you tell me what's on your heart? Or if you could ask the Lord, I, I, I know that. What, what, what would you want to know? What would be, like she said, do you know who I am? Just a phrase like that. And if... If, you, if there is something going on in you that is heavy and confusing so much so like John the Baptist, are you really the one? You're not the only one today. The Lord knew who would be here. So if you'll just slip your hand up and hold it, if that's you. And once the first person, we may have several, but okay. Would you 
give him a mic there. I can't see who it is, but. Oh, I know who that is. That's Dwayne. And all guys just hold the mic close to you and they'll regulate it in the back. trying to compose myself. You don't have to. Just hold it close to me. I'm at a crossroads. My belief is that God is going to return quickly as a father, as a husband, as a leader, as a man. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. To have three sons, <laughs> their dreams are not eternal, like mine. Mm -hmm. And I want to invoke a positive relationship with the Lord, with my boys, but at the same time, I want them to dream what they want to dream in the earthly realm. Of whether they want to be a doctor, whether they mm -hmm. want to be a lawyer. One of them wants to be an NFL star. <laughs> Those are the dreams that I'm dealing with with my boys. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, knowing in my spirit that these are the true last days, mm -hmm. and me being a husband and a father and a leader mm -hmm. of the crossroads of do I take this path? Yeah. Do I take this path? And sometimes does it even matter because God's going to come back anyway? Great question. Great question. I just need to know what to okay. do. My, my knee-jerk reaction would be this. We are to focus always pri primarily on the spiritual. And people say, well, why build houses? The Lord's coming. Well, because you're going to need houses in the millennium. There will be governments in the millennium. There will be nations in the millennium. I would say when, he see, when your children see that above your successes, above your business, above your enterprises, that God is the preeminent and the paramount, not just force or belief, but person in your life, then if that translates, it doesn't matter what they do, that same way is placed in them. Raise your children up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from the way, which means even if they try, the way is instilled. So... We live our spiritual lives like the Lord's coming back today. Ready, watching, nothing tied. But we work as if it could be years from now. So it's not a lack of faith to work. It's not a lack of faith. You know, Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow. And so people say, if I have a retirement plan, that's a thought. No, it means no anxiety. Take no fret, no anxiety, no worry. So I would say both. Let them dream. And then talk to them about, now, what kind of godly ball player are you going to be? And don't forget your daddy when you sign that first application. So, and what, the, what it is, is help them prepare in every way. And then say, and you know, the Lord could come back any day. And in your prayer times at night, let them see that we look for you, Lord, any day. But then he's coming back to the earth. There may be sports in the millennium. You don't know. So don't squelch the dream. But if they see what's the most important in you. That's what they won't depart from. And the rest of it, you know, the same Lord that put the desires in your heart for God is going to put it in their hearts too. You know, it might come at different stages in different ways. But don't worry about which way. You do both. Now just do both. Somebody else feels like you're at crossroads today. You're at crossroads. Okay. Father, I just pray for these that they, that they know that... Um, you're, they're going to hear a voice behind you, them saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And they'll know, let us keep our eyes on Jesus, our gaze towards heaven, and our hands and feet busy in this world, doing all things as unto the Lord. That's the phrase, Duane, doing all things as unto the Lord. In your son's name. Yes, ma'am. Um, sometimes <clears throat> I know what God has done for me, but sometimes... I see the difference in my life, but sometimes I have doubts. Yeah. Welcome to the normal Christian life. The normal Christian I life. I feel terrible about No, ma'am. Let me tell you, doubt, there's the difference between doubt and unbelief. Jesus rebuked unbelief. 
Unbelief says, I know who you are and I know what you say and I stand in opposition to you. That's a will of rebellion against the authority and position of Jesus as Lord. Okay? That's willful rebellion. Doubt points to our frailty. Okay, so perfect text for you this morning. So when John the Baptist doubted, here's what Jesus said about him. He said, there hath never been born a man of woman greater than that man. So if John the Baptist had doubts, you okay. Now, for those of you that were raised in Pentecostal charismatic circles where you're not, you don't have doubts, you need to be more positive. I'm positive I have doubts. I I'm, I'm really am. Shh, don't. Don't ever sweep your doubts under a rug. Now listen to your pastor. Work through them because they become the concrete of your soul. When you work through your doubts and you said, I settled that one in 2017. That one settled. Work through them in fear and trembling but in trust. So doubts do not... He didn't rebuke John. Now had John said, I was wrong. You're not the Lamb of God. Then there's issues. But doubts, the Lord pitieth our frame. And uh, let me show you something. I had, I asked the Lord to do something very unnatural for me today to know I was in his will. And I got a picture drawn from a little 10-year-old girl, and I've got a picture made, I'm not going to say how old, from one a little older, and the lady that asked this question made this for me today. So I had confirmations from both age groups, something uncommon, and she made me a window. You remember from last week, windows being open, and it said, Pastor John, thank you for helping us along God's paths, our path. Our windows are open and our roots are deep. My windows are open and my roots are deep. And I think the reason you made this was not just for me. It's for you to have a visual. That the windows you've opened towards him are open this way too. And the turning point for you is going to be when you just allow yourself to feel enjoyed. And absolutely loved by him. Where you, come, where you stop assessing everything and just realize, I'm his girl. I'm just his girl. I remember early in my faith, oh, you know, the, you'd cuss and you'd slip up and you'd lie and have to go tell somebody you lied and lust and you're just struggling with all this. And I remember crying one night and I said, I'm just, I'm hopeless. And the devil's like, yeah, you're an idiot. You're duplicitous. You lie. You, you're all of these things. And see, the devil doesn't accuse you of lies usually. There's enough truth to beat your brains out with. And this happened to me. And I'm hearing the voice of the enemy say, you are a dog. And I remember answering out, out loud. I said, you're right, but I'm God's puppy. I just, I'm his. And you just need to know that he delights and enjoys you. And he's, it's just like a child if they go and stumble and a man walk up, what's wrong with you? I showed you how to walk. Not at all. That's, when you lay on the floor and say, I ain't walking, that's different. <laughs> so give yourself a break. You're brand new in the Lord. You're toddling and the Lord is just, watch this, come on, come on. And he's not waiting for you to fall. He's waiting for you to make it to his arms. Okay. Somebody else this morning. question of your heart or a burden of your heart. Anybody else feel this way about the unbelief? Father, I just pray over these that are your sons and daughters that they would sense your love and enjoyment of them so deeply that they would not be able to compose themselves, that they would cry and laugh, that that grown woman would be in her den when everybody else has left the house and she twirl her dress around like a little girl and say, Daddy, look at me. And that man would stop the performance anxiety of doing everything perfect and say, I know you love me like I love my little boys. Let it happen today, Father, by your spirit, I pray. Anybody else? Yes. I don't talk in front of crowds. Um, the question is... Relationally, how do I know 
It's okay. Whether to be, to remain standing in support of someone, or to step aside and let God have his way with them, which I think is what I should Okay, do. is this a spouse? No. Okay, it's a friend. Relationally, three okay. years. Okay, relationally what? For three years. Okay. A broad question, but this is the first thing that strikes my spirit, okay? I am for them, but I will not facilitate their destruction. By my approval in it, I will not fund it. I will not have the casual lunches where we just laugh and you're going to hell or you're destructing and I tell them, I am withdrawing from you. I will never turn my back on you, ever. I love you. I will be there for you. And as you turn your life away from this self-destructive habit and away from God, there is nothing I have that you can't have. But while this is going on, whether it's self-destruction or destruction against you, you separate. Jesus tells us if we have a believer that professes they're a believer... And let's say they're living in immorality. They're shacked up or sleeping around. He said, don't even have supper with them. You preach that today and people go, well, God is love. He said, no, because they'll get the idea that you walk with God, they walk with God, everything's okay, and they go the other way. So if I see that my connectivity with them will give them a sense, any form of approval of that lifestyle, then no, I can't. But I tell them, and I've done this multiple times, but then I'll write them and I'll say, now don't forget that I will always love you. My door will always be open, but I will not be part of or look the other way as you destroy yourself or destroy you. It's like the lady, you know, husband hit her. And she's like, I'm just praying, what should I do? The Lord said, leave. You ain't got to pray about that. He hit you. Leave. He hurts your babies. Leave. Nothing to pray about. Just go. Great question, though. Somebody else? Yes. I just, I just felt like God was touching me right now because my heart's beating very fast. But I'm 14, and I know from Chris that this is when the devil will strike you at your most hardest, toughest times, but just like I've suffered from anxiety, depression, cutting, thinking about suicide and stuff like that, and I just call upon Lord to help me stop thinking like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great question. It's hard on my grandma and my brother. And it was the hardest on my dad. Yeah. But I feel like it's the most hardest on me. Okay. Just, just pray that it can stop. Yeah. Now, I know this for a fact. I want to say it for them. Yeah, you can give them my bet. You're, you're born again, right? Your issue at your age is there are two... Uh, animals in your life the flesh and the spirit and whichever one you feed grows and with this type of uh, deep angst and anxiety and difficulty and thoughts you need to put distance between anyone and anything that feeds that animal now I'm going to tell you where that's going to lead you away from most everybody that you know in school your pastor made that break. I had uh, 51 fraternity brothers. They were my only friends in the world. When I got saved, I moved back across town. I gave up every friend. And it was the loneliest time of my life. The most boring time of my life. And since I had nothing to do, there was time for God to rewire me. And so what you are right now is a rocket. Okay? And it's shaking like this. But if you will cut the ties to the, the media, the music, the people that feed that, that rocket, when it breaks the gravitational pull, it's going to be, and you'll be good. You're like, I made it out. 
But see, you're like the guy more than likely trying to get through the airport with a pocket full of coins. Ah! Oh, sorry about that. Lord, I want to get to wholeness. I want to get to health. But those two friends are like the coins in the pockets. Ah! And that song that tells you to go beat up a policeman or kill a grandmother or something. You know, the lyrics. I thought the lyrics of when I were growing up were crazy. Today, it's like mental illness set to music. And if you're listening to that, it's like the older person that listens to country music all day long. I don't know why I'm so depressed. I do. She's acting single and I'm drinking double. You know what? Don't focus so much on all of the negatives. Is distance and give it time. And that, that animal will start to shrivel up. And the other animal of God's spirit will attack. You'll be free. You'll be. Listen, your salvation is not contingent upon you. He that began the good work in you is going to perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Just make some wise choices. Run so far into God you stick out the other end. Okay? Yes. This morning, while we were preparing to come to church, I was telling my wife that I was going to talk to Pastor Steve that I would like to go on a mission trip with BGMC. So while we're in the greeting area, one of the sisters walked to me and was talking to me about um, Charles Molly. A few minutes later, after she has ent entered the church, my brother there was coming with his wife. As soon as he approached me, he called me Molly, Molly. Really, I don't know anything about Molly. Then he was talking to me about who Molly was, who just came on a mo uh, movie movie about a few days ago. Then I went back to my wife. I said, what is God really saying about this mission trip? So I don't really know what God is saying to me about it. Do you feel stirred in your heart about missions? I really do. Okay. Well, this one, it's not that it's not a, a good question. It's easy. When all of a sudden a thought comes inside and will not leave you alone, it's like the Lord saying, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. Something's coming. Something's coming. And it, it is this easy. When it comes, you go, well, there it is. There it is. When the Lord stirs you, it's so that you won't miss it. And you might get to the place where you go, you know, it's, you, you'll try to grab at the first thing that looks like it. But you will know. When you, one of the troubles uh, that young Christians, especially those in their teens and 20s make, is they try to figure out God's will. Nowhere in the scripture does it tell you to pursue God's will or figure out God's will. It's be surrendered to it. And God wants you to know his will more than you want to know it. So there is no problem. So when we read the scriptures and we see that when he wants us to know his plans, he will go so far as to knock you off a mule and blind you. It, stand to your feet. I've appointed you. Who are you, Lord? I'm the one you're persecuting. I've got plans for you. Well, I, I just, I'm worried that I won't get it. You won't be able to miss it. You can't stop thinking about it. You dream about it. It pulls you. It's like the lady that says, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in the church. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then you see an, uh, a single mom or an unwed mother uh, get saved, and they're just a wreck. They're just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. Well, obviously, your heart is for single moms. There's your ministry. There's the calling for prison. My heart beats for it. So you'll know. It just, just, I would pray, say, Lord, wherever it is, whenever it is, the answer is yes. And if your answer is yes, you cannot miss it because it's his responsibility to make sure you know it. Okay? And then Israel. Okay? Israel. Um, my question is, is there hope for marriage in my um, generation? I'll preface that by um, I've grown up, I guess a lot of millennials have grown up in a culture of divorce, um, infidelity, um, 
just not a sincere um, respect, I guess, for marriage. Mm -hmm. So um, and it's not a healthy dating culture mm -hmm. um, that I've seen. So you're talking about in society as a whole? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the, the scripture is clear. Contrary to what uh, charismatic Pentecostal preachers would tell you, this dispensation is not going to end in great revival. It's going to end in the great falling away. So for you, it's not so much what's it going to look like in the culture. It's what's it going to look like in my home. Because the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. And we are little nations in the United States. And when Christ comes, the little nation in us explodes through the body of Christ and pushes out every other nation. And the kingdom of this world have become the kingdom of our God. So for you... I would say, no, it's not going to take their place, but that sh don't let that discourage or bother you because light shines its brightest in the darkest of places. And so for you, it's like, I don't care what y'all do. This is how we're going to do. I'm going to uh, uh, wait. I'm going to honor this girl. I'm going to uh, protect her. And then when we get married, it's going to be as unto the Lord. And so in this generation... The Bible speaks of, of great darkness covering the earth and great darkness covering the people. But God's children are going to rise and shine and the glory of the Lord is going to be seen upon them. And so, no, it's going to be the minority. Our righteousness will be the minority, but none of that can squelch what you, you can have in your home. Whatever you want, God, God makes it available. So light, good, you know, it's like when all the lights went out in Egypt, in Goshen, the lights were on. And so, uh, for you, uh, the marriage idea, and it, let me go ahead and just speak to the little small elephant in the room, all of you that are my age, y'all forgot about this. Your number one prayer, you're 17 to 25, Lord, I want you to come back, but don't come back till I get married. Hey, let me get married. Let me get married first. Everybody's, everybody's felt that. You're in great company. It's the Lord's idea. And so... Uh, don't, don't worry about what others do. There will always be people that live immoral. They will live immoral in their marriage. But for you, let it be a, a bright hope. I can't wait to get married. And if he comes before that day, his glory will be so great that it will eclipse every desire you've ever thought you had. It's hard to see that now because we we've never seen that glory. The Bible says it's brighter than the sun. There won't even be a need for a sun because the lamb will be the light thereof. Someone else? Anyone else? I believe there's really a heart one. Like somebody, Pastor John, I feel like my, my, heart, my life's in the balance. Like my heart's in the balance. Anyone else? Yes, right here. been something that's been burning on me for the last uh, two weeks. I'm a part of a, a prayer group that we uh, pray online. Uh, I mean on a, a phone line. Uh, and one of the people said something that was very uncomfortable uh, to me in my spirit. And I'm wondering... One of the people on the phone or a leader above you in the organization? One of the people on the phone okay. that was in prayer. And they prayed for a boomerang effect mm -hmm. to happen to uh, people that were trying to be destructive. And, other, and I was uncomfortable with that mm -hmm. in my spirit because as a Christian, I just don't believe that I need to be in prayer yeah. for more destruction. Sure. So it really concerned me because this person professes to be a Christian. Uh, and I'm just wondering, was I right in my thinking? Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable. I prayed, do I continue to stay in the prayer line? And it just concerned me. Yeah. Well, first of all, whenever you have a check in your spirit, even if you can't figure it out, Stick with it. And if you're wrong, the Lord will show you. But always go with the check in your spirit. Secondly, there are facts like the Lord speaks of crushing our enemies. Okay. But we're not to long for that. 
I know that to be true. Be careful of these hashtag quips like new levels, new devils, boomerang effect, you know, uh, this, this type of anointing. What? There ain't but one type. What do you mean this type? The anointing comes from the head down to the body. Christ is the anointing. Okay? So the boomerang effect, it would be like this. Well, I know what God says about my enemies and how he's going to break their teeth off. I know that he won't stand for it, but I'm not going to be the one to, to pray that. The Bible said, pray for your enemies, not pray for their destruction. Now, if you keep messing with me, we know what's going to happen, but it's like the little kid when mama finds out which one did it, and they take them in the back room, and the other one's dancing because they're getting a whipping. I'm going to whip you for that. Yeah. No, you're never wrong to give mercy. Anyone else? Yes, right down here. Okay, in the Bible it says, there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping endureth for the night, yep. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Because sometimes it follows into the morning. Mm -hmm. So what does that really mean? Very good question. It's speaking of not a 24-hour period, but seasons. Every season of hopelessness gives way to hope. Every season of weakness gives way to strength. Every season of confusion gives way to clarity. And what happens when you get in a season where you're just sorrowful, the devil kind of sides along with you and said, it's always going to be like this. And one of my favorite verses is, it came to pass. Just that, if you remember this, this will help you. Like when you're in, have y'all you, know the seasons where everything's working? Your wife's sweet, your husband's sweet, your dog's sweet, the air condition's working, you, you turn on your, your, your water faucet and Gatorade comes out, you just, whoo, everything. It came to pass. This season of everything working has come so that it can pass. And every season of difficulty and destruction and disappointment and disillusionment, it has came to pass. Revolving door. So what that passage is, is don't let the devil convince you that it's always going to be this way because joy comes in the morning and his mercies are new every morning. Somebody said, I wish he hadn't said that about the blessing. I was so feeling good. It's on its way out. <laughs> Not the perpetual sense of blessing, but it ain't always going to be easy, baby. Somebody else. Yes, sir. John, why is forgiveness so hard to do? You mean other, forgiving other people? I've had some issues happen in my life from sure. being abused as a child to losing a family. So you know, sorry. Um, great why question. Is, why is forgiveness so hard to do? It's a great mm -hmm. question. Forgiveness is hard because of the pain in our heart. The you shouldn't have, the you could have, uh, the why didn't you stop, all, all of the above. The cure for forgiveness is not willpower. It's revelation. And when I realize that I can only give what I have, okay, I can only give you a grace that I've already received. So when I have revelation of how he has forgiven all of my sins, I am not forgiving you because you're worthy. I'm forgiving you because I'm unworthy. And I know he's watching the transaction. And people say, I'll fake it till you make it. No, don't, don't get into lying. Here's what you say, Lord, this is the hardest thing for me to do. But I let them go because I want to be under the umbrella of grace. Because if I'm under the umbrella of law where you get what you deserve, I'm done. I'm toast. So mine, the reason I've forgiven people, uh, people that targeted my home, people that have slandered me, I did not forgive them because I wanted to or I was a good guy or I was spiritual. I forgave them because I fear the Lord. Because if he says, okay, John, I'm going to give it to him. And when I'm done, I'm getting you. And I go, uh, time out. How, 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 how about we let everybody off? And when you see your own sins and you fear the Lord, that's the motivation to forgive other people. And I know today that if I die while I'm talking to you, before my feet get cold, my sins are covered. And we don't want any form of ungrace in our heart. And you know how much grace beats in your chest by how much you can give away. 
Because I can't give you what I don't have. But if I can let you go, I must be free myself. We've got time for like one more. Anybody else? I hope this was beneficial for those that had these questions on their heart and to hear. If not, let me close with this. For John the Baptist to get to the place where he needed to hear from the Lord. The Lord never rebuked him. The Lord never corrected him. He reminded him of what he already knew. Go tell John the Baptist the things that you see. How the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And tell him, blessed is the man that's not offended in me. And they'd say, well, Jesus, he's not offended in you. He's offended in the way you're leading him. I am the way. When you're offended in the way, you're offended in me. Let me work this out. John, you're seeing your ministry come to a close. You're about to lose your head. And before it hits the ground, you are going to be in the, the presence of the, of the eternal Father with resplendent glory. It's, it's okay. I'm, I'm working this out. The Lord wants to remind you of what you already know. If he was the Lamb of God before you went into prison, he's the Lamb of God when you go into prison. Don't forget in the darkness what God told you in the light. Don't forget in the darkness what God told you in the light. God has not forgotten you. Her name is Gina. I know you. I have, I... Ben, if you'd come for closing. I know you. Before, now y'all don't just check out on me. I want you to hear this. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. How can you know me when I did not exist? I didn't say you didn't exist. I said, he could not know a non-entity. You didn't know or you don't remember but you were in my heart and in my plan. And I, before I knit you together in your mother's womb, it wasn't the seed that hit the egg. I knit you with the seed in the egg. And I knew you before. You are intricately known and deeply loved. Where the Bible said that the hairs on your head are numbered. I used to say that he knows how many are up there. Which... You know, at the rate some of ours is checking out, it keeps them busy. But that's not what it says. It says they're numbered. So when you woke up this morning, I know the numbers of the one that fell out. The ones you lost in your brush. Why would he say that? He says, I want you to know that I'm current with you. Right now current with you. And I would not make something without a plan. No one just makes a thingamajig. I just made this. What is it? I don't know, but it should be worth three payments at $39.95. But if you act right now, free shipping, and I'm going to give you an extra one. What is it? I don't know. No one makes a thingamajig. And when he knit you in your mother's womb, he did not not have a plan. God has a plan. God is working the plan. God will finish the plan. Rest in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord and He will direct your paths. There's so many things that you don't know about your history that's going to be revealed in heaven and you're going to be, I didn't know that was going on. I didn't know that was going on. I had no idea. You're not just meandering through this life. They're angels sent to minister to you and to encourage you and that walk alongside you. God is un unveiling different pieces. And as you get older, you look back and go, oh, that's what you were doing. Can I tell you one quick story before you go home? It happened for me uh, just recently. And I don't have the vocabulary to tell you what it means to me. It's like top three things that's ever happened in my Christian life. Just happened. My mom was eating with uh, one of the ladies here in the church. And someone from High Point Church came up to her and said, Hey, I, we were going through old stuff at the church. And uh, we found a newsletter. And 
How many of you knew Brother Don Van Huser? Good man. Good man. Godly man. Head of his time. Man of the spirit. And Don used to do a newsletter where he would talk about the kingdom of God and things that were happening in the church. So he and my daddy were buddies. Both single. Just buddies. And he wrote this story in the newsletter. And the guy read the newsletter. I hope they find it because I'm going to put it in glass. And I can find it. And I hope you don't think it's selfish me telling you this story. But it confirms what I'm telling you. Don Van Huser gave my dad $50 to, for gas money. Your good friends always take care of your gas money. You know what I'm saying? Take care of it. Help you out. Hook you up, they used to say. He gave him $50 to go hear William Brannan. How many of you know who he is? Old, old Pentecostal uh, preacher. Back when tent revival started, he was globally known. And he had failures like anyone else. But it's, it's chronicled hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of operations of the gift of the word of knowledge. Which means that God would put a fact in his head about someone that he not. And uh, I just found out a couple months ago that this newsletter, they told my mom that they read it and Don gave daddy $50 and he went to hear William Brannan preach and William Brannan called my daddy out in the tent. I'd never heard this. And I mean, these tents were like 5,000, 7,000, huge things. And he called him out and he said, you're from Macon, Georgia. And your Baptist pastor friend gave you $50 to come here. Now, come on! How... Well, God knows all the things. See, we're thinking we're just making it happen and roughing it. Every step is ordered. Every step is known. Every step is charted. And if you make a mistake, the GPS is recalculating. Get you back on track. Get off the exit. Come back this way. And he said, you're from Macon, Georgia, and the Baptist pastor uh, gave you $50 to come to this meeting. He said, yes. And he said, the Lord wants you to know that you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a preacher. He said, I'm not married. He said, I didn't say you were married. I said, you're going to get married, have a son, and your boy's going to be a preacher. Do you know what that did for my soul? It was like a ghost from the past, from like 40 years ago, coming back and saying, I got this. I got it's the same with you. Your, your pages were already written in his book. Your pages are written. It's a done deal. You're already home in his mind. You're already home. You're already glorified. It's finished. It's a done deal. Trust in the Lord. If your questions are answered, wonderful. If they're unanswered, wonderful. If you're going to doubt, doubt in faith. Say, God, I'm a mess, but this much I know. You cannot lie. You will not lie. You have not failed me. You will not fail me. Oh, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're mine. You're mine. Blessed be your name. Nothing can separate me from your love. I am convinced and persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers or things present or nothing to come. There is no height. There is no depth. No creature that's ever been created that can separate me from your love. And you know what you're doing. There's a schedule. Jesus asked Philip, he said, how are we going to feed these 5,000 men not counting women and children? And it said in the little side note, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. I just love that. He said, well, 200 penny worth is not enough. And we could tell all the men to go home and feed the children. And Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And here's your word. Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He's just letting you walk with him. Well, why won't he tell me? In the words of my wife, who is one of my greatest encouragers, she says one of the clearest words the Lord ever gave her. She said, how will I know? I don't see you doing it. What, what, are, how, what are you doing? He said, well, if I told you, I guess it wouldn't be a surprise. And the release came. And you trust in the Lord. He's not forgot you. Can a bride forget her wedding dress? He not forgot you. We are complete in Him. We are complete in Him. 
And he that began the good work in us will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? It's not the finding of the newsletter. It's not the notoriety of the evangelist, William Brannan. It's not even that it was my daddy. It's that the Lord knew. Before I was born, my daddy had not met my mother. And he said, oh, he, I know John. How wondrous are your ways. I can't even comprehend them. They're past finding out. We'll rest in them. And find, Jesus said, learn of me. You'll find rest unto your soul. If you learn who I am, you'll be at peace. And for those that this morning may not have been for you, can you celebrate the fact that somebody had their heart question answered today? Father, we love you today. I pray today, Lord, that this is what you wanted in this house. I pray that you were pleased and that your children were edified. I pray, oh Lord, that this would be a service that you enjoyed, that brought glory to your name. This we know. As for the Lord, his way is perfect. You're a buckler to those that trust you. There's no one before you, Lord. There's no one after you. And we trust you with all our hearts. Go before us, O Lord. Teach us your ways that we might be a better advertisement, a billboard for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus today. In Christ's name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.